Welcome to the Valley College Connection, where John Kawai and Scott Wigan, two Valley professors, engage in a conversation about success with educators and students. Each week, they'll sit down with a different guest to find out ways each of us have had to plan, persevere, and overcome to where we are now. The show will also highlight resources and services that are working to make a difference at Valley College. We are joined today by Amber Angel from the Family Resource Center at Los Angeles Valley College. And this is really a part and follow-up to the previous discussion that we had with Amber. Uh, thank you so much for sitting down with us again today, Amber. Thanks for having me. If you could maybe take uh, a minute and just give a, a real short sort of uh, summary or recap of, of, of who you are and, and, and where you're at at Valley, and then we can dig into the all the exciting things that are happening right now. Sure, yeah. I initially started at Valley as a student here, like a lot of first-generation, low-income students' demographics on our campus. I came here because we had a child development center. I was a mother of a two-and-a-half-year-old. During my journey here on campus, I had my second daughter. I know I talked about my water breaking in my 8 a.m. math class. And continued on, I found support through the Family Resource Center and continued on to CSUN to receive my Bachelor's of Science in Family Studies, which I will be walking on May 20th to receive. And I think of my work here now has been the vision of creating a family-friendly campus so other student parents receive the same type of support and have the same type of success. And Amber, do you work full-time here now, or are you part-time? I'm part-time. And what are some of the interesting things that's been happening? You just kind of ran down a list of like 15 things. What's <laughs> top on your list right now? So one of the things that's been really exciting about the Family Resource Center in my role is that as a student parent understanding the struggles that I went through as a student not having a space to study with my daughter or some of the time poverty issues I had surrounding work life school balance kind of the all the support I needed outside of childcare that the Family Resource Center really helped me with um, had also gave me the opportunity for feedback and insight in program development. So if there was something that I really needed and I had other student parents that I knew needed, the Family Resource Center, in particular Marty Roosevelt, gave a lot of freedom to say, hey, try something out, see if it works. And if it doesn't, you know, let's try again. Um, what I think is really exciting about where we are now is that no matter how successful a program can be uh, if there's a policy in place that prohibits that from being successful that is where you know the, that's where it falls short and there's a barrier so a lot of the work that the family resource center has been doing has been really looking at how does practice inform policy and how does policy inform practice so the family resource center was invited to work on a nine-month-long initiative at ascend at the aspen institute in dc on a two-gen post-secondary education working group to really think through and inform policy at the federal level on how supports can be in place and funding can be in place to help student parents on college campuses. So what do you mean by two gen? Two generations at once. That if you want your if you want a student to be successful, you have to recognize that they have lives outside of school that impact their ability to be successful and that could look like taking care of their family members that could look like them having children. And then what were the key fi um, findings from this uh, work group? There was recommendations to the Department of Education for specific funding increases for a program that offers child care on campus. It's mm -hmm. called C-Campus. Child care access means parents in school. And the Family Resource Center wrote a grant last year 
and received actually Valley College's first fund round of funding for this initiative, um, which opened up a second classroom in our Child Development Center to 56 new spaces for school-aged children to receive after-school child care. So how old are the kids that you take care of? So that's a great question. The Family Resource Center does not do any child care. So as I was saying earlier, kind of all those other things that student parents need outside of child care is really what the Family Resource Center's focus is. We just wrote the grant to fund the classroom, but the Child Development Center is the on-campus child care and it starts at two and a half fully potty trained and goes through five years old for preschool and then the after-school child care classrooms are available till children are 13 years old and then um, how many students now um how many um, people are enrolled in this program? At the center, the preschool, I would, I think there's about 120 students who are receiving uh, child care services. The Family Resource Center, with our work with student parents on campus and our work with the Workforce Strategy Center, where we are layering and embedding family support services onto workforce academies, we serve about 1,000 students annually. Can you explain a little bit more about what those embedded services look like? Are those services that you would foresee being uh, useful to other areas? of the college as well? Definitely. And that's actually something we really want to focus on is um, we've had a lot of exciting things happening for the Family Resource Center um, nationally or statewide. And we really want to bring it back to campus so that, you know, other departments and entities and um, student populations on campus are aware. That's a struggle we have is uh, awareness even just right on our own college campus. But some of those services are on our staff. We have a licensed marriage and family therapist and she meets with workforce participants and does intake orientations and with student parents on, you know, this is a stressful time in your life. If you're unemployed or underemployed, you're trying to do better. How can we support you with that? Um, you know, we know a lot of our students are coming from all over. So how can she connect them into ongoing services outside of campus? So it's a lot of resource and referral, but with a softer handoff. We have a resource counselor who's working with outside. We now have, we work with over 120 uh, social service agencies in the community with direct links. Um, we have a parenting class now that we've, it's non-credit, a parenting class that we've been embedding into workforce and for our students that can earn a parenting certificate at the end of their course. We have emergency stipends through our foundation for students and for workforce families who might just need you know, a, par a, a bus pass, and that's a barrier for them coming to school. We have tried to set aside some of those scholarships to reduce some of those blocks to coming to school. We have four times a week now in two locations. We have study lounges where students can come in with their children, and their children are being supervised in, in a play group with interns from local high schools that students are receiving college credit, as well as child development students at Valley. We have embedded tutors that the general tutoring department offers us to support our students with while they have their children there. Free baby clothes, free wipes, free diapers. We're in the process of partnering with a local foundation who will be providing us with cases of diapers to support our students wow. with, so it's very exciting. So who is eligible for the Workforce Academy? So work the Workforce Strategy Center, which is very unique also to our campus, as is we are the only community college in the state of California that has a family resource center so that is also unique. But our Workforce Strategy Center is charged work to work with all 17 American job centers in the city of LA. So it has been designated as the strategy center for 
all of Los Angeles County. And so they're coming in from all participants looking for job training are coming in from all over the city. And it depends on the agency they're coming through what eligibility requirements are. So if I was someone who wanted to partake of these services, what's What's the process? Who who do I, which door do I knock on? So you would go into the academic and career building, advancement building, a new building. Next to CalWorks is right is Workforce Strategy Center, and you would walk in there and say, I'm looking for a job. Um, how our, our workforce department differs from other community colleges is it's short term, um, meaning that you can walk in and you can enter any of the academies ranging from two to nine weeks and you have a 97% job placement rate at the end of graduation. Oh, wow. Into your, into living wage employment. Right now, academies, uh, there's a biotech academy, manufacturing, metro bus operator, and human services. Outstanding. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, it's amazing when we sort of, uh, I think here it framed in terms of how valuable those programs are and what they do for, for our community. It seems as though the Family Resource Center is sort of in this interesting space on campus is, is somewhat of a, a nexus that's looking at all the different programs, uh, recommendations, and moving all sorts of programs forward to bring in more support to student parents. What What's your sense now of sort of what the campus um, is going to continue to need moving forward. Do we need more spaces available in the Child uh, Development Center for after-school daycare? Or do you feel that we're sort of in a good place as far as that's concerned? Is it more tutoring with, with the Family Resource Center? What, what, are, you, what are you thinking in terms of, of the most immediate needs? You know, that's a really great question. I, um, I would say just from the get with child care, I think that there's always a need for infant care, right? We, that's not something that Valley College offers. I know um, it's, a, it's a need in any any area, and especially for community college students. But I think just more visibility, uh, that's part of the work we were talking about. Our local assembly member, Adrian Nazarian, pushed through a proposal in the last budget of Governor Brown and secured an $800,000 carve-out for the Family Resource Center to expand our services across campus. Um, into different locations and we um, as well as expand our services to have a greater reach of student population that we're not reaching now. Uh, which specific um, demographics are you looking to reach into? The Family Resource Center is located on the very edge of campus which was designed initially I mean it's it's purposeful where we are but it's also for instance applied health and sciences science majors biology majors math majors who really spend their great deal of their time in classrooms on the other side of campus have no idea we're there. They also also get very confused and think that we're just childcare or that we are childcare at all, which we're, we are not, and that they, they're not eligible or that we're child development um, for child development students, which is also not true. And so we just need, I think there's an opportunity to expand on that side of campus to let students know that we're here. Um, but it's also about capacity, right? So we're already serving a lot of students with a lot of different menu of services. So we might have a student who comes in and only uses our computer lab and just needs to print something or just comes in for a Scantron. Or we might have a student who has her academics handled but only needs diapers and comes in once a week for diapers. And so with that expansion, we just have to be prepared for the capacity to meet the needs of the students. Because we know that on this campus, based on our FAFSA data, that 29% of students at Valley College are raising children in the home. And so that's a lot, that's a lot greater deal than 1,000 students. So will these satellite locations, will they, what services are you intending to move closer into the middle of campus? And we have, you know, and that's something we don't know. It, it could look a lot of different ways. We really, we want to 
build the capacity within the Family Resource Center to even accommodate for starters. And then it could just look like having a, an additional lactation room that the Family Resource Center sponsors. It could look like a family-friendly study space at the library. So if students need to come back and do group work or find time to study, they could do that with their children where it would be child-friendly. It's not necessarily an entirely new office. Um, it would be just coloring book with crayons at financial aid because sure. we know that we are seeing strollers on campus. We're no, we know that students are coming and they don't, you know, they need to fill out paperwork or meet with a counselor and they don't have anyone to be with their child. So how can we put out materials that welcomes students to have those outside lives that you're welcome here with your child and um, there's services here available for you? I mean, that's great. I, mean, I was just in a meeting with the uh, onboarding team that talks about um, how to have, how to properly get a student from wanting to come to Valley College to being in, in Valley College. And one of the things that their concern was the, there needs to be something for someone trying to apply to Valley College and some, some place where their kid can be safe. Right? Because while they're applying on While they're campus. applying. Right. Just because it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy process. Right. And, you know, because they're entering here, they don't have any services yet. They haven't sort of created that sort of infrastructure of people to help watch their kids also. They're just in the beginning of that, and, and having something there would be really helpful. And I can't imagine just having to walk across campus to get a lactation room. Yeah. yeah. And that discussion, at least, you're, and you're certainly more uh, informed about where it's at now, John, but when I was part of it, the idea was of a, a one-stop uh, center. Yeah. Um, so students would come in and uh, be able to apply, be able to have some aspect of their orientation, start working on their ed plan, all those things. So they were anticipating, you know, at least a two- or three-hour visit. And then so to have within that one-stop location um, some sort of child care services for them would be, would be great. Yeah. So that might be a, a sort of a circle connection to make, either sure. to refer Amber to that committee or to bring it back so we those done. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it can be done. You just, it's being creative about it because it's not, it's not child care, right? The parents are with their children. It's just having a safe place that the kids, the child could play right. or be supervised. It's an opportunity for child development students to gain, you know, experience working with a whole family, um, setting up materials to play with the child and being intentional about it. And so there's opportunity there for sure. And I know that for myself, it was really challenging because, you know, it is a lengthy process to apply and it is, it's scary starting school new, but then you, you don't realize there's all these other things that you need to do. And, and then every semester it changes. So you might have it figured out one semester and then the next semester the, you only need these specific classes that are on a different time period or different day. And then it's starting from scratch all over again. You know, I think in just sort of a, a larger, um, viewpoint I think it's the best way for us to show that we care right. right if you're if you if you walk in the campus and the first thing we do is care for your immediate need and then care for the immediate need of your kid to create a place that's just clean that your kids can like we anticipated that year after year we have kids in this area let's just have some toys here Mm -hmm. yeah I mean exactly like the idea of just even having coloring books and crayons at student services when they're applying for financial aid or going to admissions and records it's representation I think that it's such a huge part for me you know I almost dropped out because I just didn't feel like I belonged here I mean if 30% of students on this college campus are raising children why did I feel like I was the only one right. you know I, this is before finding the Family Resource Center I'm running between 
you know, John, you know, I helped me out finding somewhere to pump and I was carrying a cooler around. And it was a big struggle until I met other student parents, you know, and built that social capital of like, hey, I, like there's, I'm not the only one here, like we can do this. And that support system was huge. Um, and I think that that's our goal is for, you know, Pierce is known as kind of a agriculture school mm-hmm. of, you know, of, within our district. Trade tech obviously is really, you know, technical. I'd love for Valley College to be known as the family friendly campus. Right. And right now, I think in the last uh, incoming um, class, 85 of the students, 85 percent of the students are over 25. Mm-hmm. So I think for a long time we've had this focus of being a high school transfer school and we are we are that you know um but i think at a certain point we start to have to have a larger conversation of of these different populations that make up a majority of our of our demographic now well and i think that that i think that's true the non-traditional is the traditional right and so uh, you know in this era of new state funding formula models changing to be, you know, whether or not they say it's performance-based, it's going to be performance-based funding, then we need to be thinking about what programs are in place or how can we support success and transfer and retention. And I really think that the Family Resource Center has, is figuring out students' lives outside of school. Right. Right. If your student's not coming to class or has their phone on, you know, is it because they, you know, their kid was sick home from school and they're worried about you know, that versus, or are they showing up to class and falling asleep or not paying attention because they're hungry or they didn't have a safe place to sleep last night? And, you know, should colleges be in the business of social services? You know, we would think, yeah, if we care about student success, because we should be connecting them out into the community. We don't have to reinvent the wheel, but I think that there's a lot to be said about leveraging what already exists. Along those lines, can you elaborate a little bit about the collaboration with the Hope Lab? So Dr. Sarah Goldrick-Rab has been leading the conversation about students on college campuses that are facing food and housing insecure. And she's been very, very vocal about it. She was, and she was at University of Wisconsin leading this initiative and then found and transferred over to Temple University in Philadelphia where she founded the Hope Center for Real College, kind of acknowledging that real college students have these issues, that it's, again, like you said, John, not just high school students who've kind of already got all this stuff figured out. It's like these students coming to our campuses are real college students. They have children. They have all these barriers. And so it's it's kind of, it's opened up the conversation about student parents for us because when you, it's something that's tangible to say your student's coming to class hungry. They didn't have a place to sleep last night. For, that resonates with a lot of us more than thinking about this student has a child at home. Because a lot of us have children. So, but we're in different places than a student trying to come into community college to better their lives with their child. It's, it's just a different concept. So what are some of the things she does with the at the Hope? A lot of advocacy, um, a lot of fundraising, scholarships. Uh, Temple University, every single faculty member has a disclosure on their syllabus that addresses that a student might be in their class that might may be hungry or, or looking for housing or food, and it directs them to the Hope Center. Um, so it's really just a paradigm shift that um, has taken over the campus, and she's you know taken to Twitter and. She has a real college conference this year. It's traveling. It'll be in uh, Texas that pulls together thought leaders across industry um, really to address and acknowledge a lot. One in a five students are food or housing insecure. She actually did a very large study and just released California data on all nine of our community college 
um, campuses that it is similar percentages. 20% of our students are food and housing insecure. And she uses the Department of Agriculture data set to establish that. What changes do you think that you'd like to make now that you've sort of had this relationship with them? Well, I think that Helping Hands on our college campus has done a really great job of moving this forward. Uh, the Family Resource Center just serves as a site for their food pantry uh, produce drop-off. So I believe there are three or four satellites on Valley College campus that offers produce and uh, grocery items three times a week. So how does Helping Hands um, work? Do I need to sign up for something? How does that work? Helping Hands works under the auspices of CalWORKS. So they have account, they have staff on, in CalWORKS office that supports students with food and that are food and housing insecure. So it can range from you meet with uh, one of their staff members and you get connected with, you leave with groceries that day, or you need some clothing, or you need immediate housing. Um, there's partnerships that have been built with the Los Angeles Housing Authority, Friends of the Family, different agencies that can get housing, especially if you're in crisis, either short or long term. Well, where, where, where would I need to go to get these referrals or a bag of groceries? Family Resource Center uh, has groceries as well as I believe Athletics is a site, satellite site, but all of the services to find out everything about Helping Hands is located in the CalWORKS office. In which building is that? That's in the Administration or Academic and Career Advancement Building. The ACA building? ACA, okay. yeah. First floor. Right next to the Workforce Strategy Center. Okay. Exciting. And then you've been also working with the uh, county probation services? We have a grant through our uh, through county probation to support at-risk high school students. So we work at North Hollywood High School and Grant High School to offer internships at the Family Resource Center for high school students to get college experience and um, experience working with families. We do a lot of college and career readiness and field trips. Well, let me ask this. So in terms of the alternative students, Usually are the classifications because they're teen moms, or who do you usually get from there? No, we actually, that's something we really would like to um, explore further is working with the teen parent population. The high school students we work with are just students who express interest in wanting to come to college or who may or may not be interested specifically in uh, working with families, but really the end goal is to just keep them in school and engaged with community college. Yeah, that's. That's the population that's always uh, most dear to my heart. I, st I started teaching with alternative students. So anytime I have a teen mom or a, mm. a kid that used to be on probation and was kicked out of high school and they're in my class and I see them doing well, it just makes me feel like, when I was working with them in high school, felt helpless. Mm. And then now it makes me always feel hopeful. I remember we had that conversation early on where mm -hmm. you were tutoring for me, and I, I told you, you know what, you should just work with, with teen moms. I think you'd be great in this demographic. I think you'd be inspirational. And it's just really amazing to see like where you've taken your life after all of all of you know when you first came here. Something I say a lot, and I don't think people mean it in a negative way. I think it's a well intended. But a lot of times we often talk about student parents or teen mothers as you know they just need to be empowered. They just need that empowerment. And I don't think I don't think that's the right. That's correct. I think that you're you're if they're on if they're at Valley College, they're already empowered. They're leaving their children for a reason. They want to make a better life for their family. They just need support. They yeah. just need to be seen they need to be recognized um, similar to having a vet center similar to having um, Cal there's programs on campus that specifically call out and say I see you we're here to support you the dream center black scholars and the family resource center is that space and that safe place for students who have children yeah I'm a big believer in all my meetings I always say if they're here they care 
So we can just already assume that they care. And if it's, if you think they're not caring, then there's something happening in your in your classroom that prevents them from being able to be the be their honest self, right? Either they're they're scared that you're going to get mad at them, or they're scared that a, t- a student in that class is going to make fun of them. But if they're here, they care. It's hard to be here, especially if you have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the hardest thing I had to do was go back to school at at 38 with a newborn kid, and then in the second on the way, I've done a lot of things. There's nothing in my life that was harder than going to school two years as a as a parent. And I had support. My wife had a good job and my family lived right by me and I could take micro loans from my family. Mm. And I had a family to watch over my kids and I still barely made it. Well, and that's the thing there's, I think Valley has a lot of supports in place that will, you know, that help students and kind of reduce some of those barriers. I know the foundation has wonderful scholarships for students. There was even a scholarship, I believe last semester that was specifically earmarked for student parents, but it's, there's, there, it's so, it's so dis- disconnected that it's difficult for students to access. And so having a centralized location or having a mentor, like me having a mentor at the Family Resource Center, me getting to help mentor other students, hold their hand, walk them across campus, take them to those departments, take, introduce them to those people. You know, I considered myself a PCP student when I was a student here. I was parking lot, class, parking lot. I didn't really have time to kind of engage with campus culture. And it was also challenging, you know, leaving and then going to get my children to come back and not have a space that they could come with me. And so all of those things matter. It's not that those supports don't exist. It's that they're just hard to navigate. And so how can we better support students by, you know, just buffering some of that so they don't fall through the cracks from one office to the next? Yeah, I think this has long been a, just a, a bane of our existence here is that every department here has to find their own way to market their own services. There's no one place to go that's organized to say, okay, who are you? And these are all the things that match you. And we've been talking for years, just begging for money for years, of just saying that we, the, we should be coming up with a great service or a great project or a great opportunity and the school should be responsible for getting that message out there and organizing it in a single yeah. place. Let's break down the silos. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for some reason, we, we always get people nodding their heads with us and going, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then as we start to say, let's build it, they say, no, we'll build even something even bigger. And that bigger thing never happens, right? And then at this point, I'm just, come on, small steps. Mm-hmm. We have to have some uniform way of just getting our, our, our services out there because, like you said, you have to be lucky to bump into someone who happens to know. Yeah, it's really word of mouth. And it is. It is starting small it's just shifting that paradigm and just it's as small as a coloring book or as small as a, a, a the family resource center started with a chest of drawers with free baby clothes that we got from local nurseries high-end nursery schools to say hey bring in your used children's clothes and it, that was the first program uh, w- with play groups bringing parents and children on campus together to play um, but it didn't start where we are now right you mentioned earlier in, in discussing the uh, relationship with the Hope Center that it was something that Marnie Roosevelt seemed to find, I don't know if it was inspiration or sort of a, a model for for perhaps advocacy. Um, if, if you can almost sort of stand back from all the, the work that you've done in the Family Resource Center and what you've been involved with, with Marnie and with, with Doug uh, Marriott, what do you think are some of the contributing factors for why the Family Resource Center, the work that you've been doing has been so progressive? You've all have been involved in, in so many different grants and initiatives that's sort of, it's really cutting edge. It's leader of the state. Like what what accounts for the synergy? Why, why is this happening over there and how does that get replicated in other areas on campus? Great question. I think it's a lot 
lot about leadership. I think Marnie Roosevelt as a leader in this and having, you know, the entrepreneurial like ship to seek out funding and thinking about it creatively, having the leadership of Doug Marriott you know, as our dean to oversee and recognize and say, hey, you know, wow, what you're you're doing is really innovative. And our our workforce participants also have challenges and they have needs outside that we're not equipped to deal with. How can we collaborate? It's breaking down those silos and saying, let's work together. Um, How can we apply for funding together? This is different. Um, You know, the fact that we are the only family resource center on community college campus is no longer exciting. We, why aren't there more? One out of every five community college students in the country is coming from California Community College. Like, What better system to disrupt um, than now? And just being involved, Marnie, has, Marnie Roosevelt has connected with the Ascend at the Aspen Institute, who's leading a lot of this work on post-secondary initiatives for student parents, has really pushed us out there into this. And we didn't have the data then. You know, Marnie talks a lot about how she would just start something and, you know, it's different now. when you're applying for funding or when you're making a case for your program, you have to show the success of it. And so that's something that we've been really intentional about doing. And it shows it's proving correct. Our success rates of our students who use Family Resource Center services versus the overall college success rate is, you know, upwards of 15% sometimes, depending on the semester. And so that's really exciting. And I think, as I mentioned, that you're, you know, referring to is Dr. Sarah Goldrick Rabb going nationally. I mean, she was on um, with Trevor Noah, you know, she She's, she's out there and she's talking about this and saying, hey, these are real college students. And I think it's it's a national issue. You know, it's a, it's politically right now. It's a lot about college debt, student debt and student parents. We know take on a lot more debt than other student populations. Uh, some of the statistics are staggering. If a student starts a student parent starts community college, only seven percent of those students after six years, we'll have a certificate or degree to show for it. Six years of schooling. So I think that it's a lot about leadership. It's a lot about, you know, doing what makes sense, I think. How much is this replicable? How much of this can be just, say, uh, standard funding from the government, and then we just build one of these at every at every campus? How much is replicable? We've had this conversation a lot, and, and we think it's absolutely replicable, and we think that it can be done in different ways. We've had conversations of what if it was, like the Family Resource Center is an entity of the, the college, but what if it was um, similar to how we outsource our student health center through Valley Presbyterian? What if it was a community family resource center that was just housed on a campus that paid rent. What would that look like? Um, We actually just received um, a grant through the Employment Economic Department, EDD, California Workforce Association, to expand our Strengthening Working Families grant, which is the work we get to do with Dr. Doug Marriott at the Workforce Strategy Center um, in conjunction with adult ed at the district on how we can embed some of our family support services and our non-credit parenting class uh, to the other eight colleges. So that is exciting. That begins May 1st on how we can uh, replicate and how the other colleges in our district can take pieces of what we do. But to your point, Scott, why we're so successful or why we've had such success is because we've had really great leadership that is open to it. And so that's a piece of replication too. Um, knowing who your students are, having the data to say this amount, you know, who to contact. Um, and having the leadership that's open for it. I, I think uh, with the leadership that I've seen over there with yourself and, and Marnie and Doug, it's uh, 
as you said, it's the breaking out of silos, the ability to collaborate and vision. It's sort of being able to sort of stand back from it and see what the bigger needs are and, and being uh, very intentional um, and proactive about you know, finding the solutions to those, those, those yeah, needs. Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, higher up leadership, we had, you know, Erica for yeah. those years who really was a, a big advocate for us. And uh, Andrew Hoffman, our, the president, uh, the vice president of the board of trustees, who was a student parent herself in community college, who went back with two young children uh, as a single mother and went through community college. And so no, having those uh, leadership higher higher up leaderships and uh, leaders in your corner is huge i would think that it, it also becomes now an opportunity of of sort of reframing return on investment for the colleges because of the student success funding formula so sure. before it was it was always harder to make these cases in in a sense about the support services and how yes they will translate in some sense to success retention persistence which will translate to dollars but now mm -hmm. it's just more immediate and so at the point now where we say yes students who use family resource center services succeed at 15 percent higher than those that don't um, connect that to the formula those are points that's dollars yeah. so hopefully that starts to really you know put a, put a fire under the, the the conversation and the need for these services absolutely that is our hope too I, i'm i'm hoping down the line that our our classrooms will start changing to be um more pedagogically uh, um, sensitive to to parents I and mean, for me, I, I, my class is entirely set up on, on you being a parent, just because that's where I'm from, mm -hmm. and that's the first teaching that I did, and that's why I just, I never have an exam that's not on a Monday, because as a parent, you just can't study during the weekdays, mm -hmm. right? That's why I took all your math classes. <laughs> and that was, that's why I was, a, I think part of this problem is that we haven't had a larger discussion with other teachers. We've, we keep protecting, um, I think student, um, teachers get in habits, and I think we need to start making more habits that are more conscientious of sort of, of working and um, parent students. Even stuff like you said, like having your iPhone out, I could care less if my kids are texting in, in my class. It sounds like a really great uh, follow-up that we should we should do with professional development on this campus because we're starting now to have you know richer conversations about culturally responsive teaching practices mm. and equity. But what we're not talking about is is the family sort of aspect of that. And so with somebody like you who's already sensitive to that and sort of has that built into to the pedagogy for the classroom, it'd be a really great thread that we could work on and then bring in the FRC and sort of make that a professional development sort of series. That could be, that could be a little summer. Uh, yeah. It could I be, think that sounds yeah. great. And again, it's not putting the responsibility on the professor to have the answers, right? to have the resources. Every professor doesn't need to know a social worker or you right. know need to know social services, but they should know who on campus does. And that's the thing is we do. And if we could just have a set of recommendations, mm -hmm. right, that some people who work need to be able to be part of the deal of I'm here at school is that my working get uh, can contact me in case of an emergency. Sometimes we have to have a little more flexibility if someone misses an exam. It's, a, it's shifting and, the paradigm. And documentation, like, you know, documentation is expensive. You have a sick kid, sick enough not to go to school, but sick enough not to take them to the doctor, and I've got to pay that money in order to get documentation in case I miss an exam. I mean, that's really expensive, right? There's just, I think, just small best practices that I think that if we could just sort of say, consider these things. Right, which is, you know, with, back to Dr. Sarah Golter Grab, that disclosure she has for all the syllabi just saying you know taking it off like hey if this is an issue contact this department we have just a few minutes left um, so I'm wondering if we can take it from um, the sort of, of more public aspect I guess of the FRC to a more personal piece of it now Amber with you had mentioned that you're graduating in May May 20th um, in our first discussion that we had I, I, I remember you were sharing some of the different possibilities for what was next 
in terms of your path? What, what's that look like now? Where are you at? You know, after May, you graduate. What's on the horizon for you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's honest. Uh, um, no, I've it's I've been te- I'm all over the place. I definitely want to take a break. I started at Valley. My daughter was two and a half. Um, I started we started together she started at the preschool here she just turned 10 last month so that means I have been in school for a good seven and a half years for this bachelor's degree Um, and I'm very proud of it it's very exciting I'm the youngest of eight my dad's in the middle of 13 I'm the first in my entire family to graduate so I'm really excited but I'm also exhausted and then so but what do I want to do next I entertained the idea of an educational leadership degree. I really love working um, in higher ed. I love working at Valley. Um, I'm also very interested in policy now. I've looked into policy degrees or potentially law school um, for a couple of reasons. I think that it would offer a cutting edge in the field to have a policy lens in the work that we do here. Also, law schools kind of designed for working professionals or student parents <laughs> because it's a lot of evening and weekends and nights. So all of those factors play come into play, but I'm just going to take a nice, long, earned break. Well, you know, give me advice. Let me just say this. I think take your break. I think anytime you're working under good people, you're never going backwards. It's always a positive. It's hard to find really good, innovative people to work under. But I think what you want to do is you want to make sure that you maximize your opportunity and you publish. So because you guys are getting positive results, because the stuff you're doing is cutting edge, because this is all the first time anyone has done these things, publish. So I think stay here, get rest, publish. Because you go in, if you go into grad school with a publishing record, I mean, I've the person I work for, he came into our program as a professor with only a master's. So he was both a student and a professor because he had a publishing record before before he came to school. And because you're in a place with that's doing publishable work, I think publish. Speaking of, and I don't know if this is uh-huh. fully related to publishing and or when this will air, but the Family Resource Center and the Workforce Strategy Center and with student parents will be airing on PBS NewsHour nationally May 25th. Oh, exciting. Oh, it's very awesome. exciting. So. Yeah. Maybe we'll publish that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe on that note, what's the best way for for students or faculty, staff, community members to find out, find you or to find more information about the Family Resource Center? LAVC, familyresourcecenter.org. Or if you're on Valley College's main webpage, we're under Student Services, Family Resource Center. We'll take you to our website, which has all of our programs and information and how to contact. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Valley College Connection radio show and podcast with Professors Scott Weigand and John Kawai. If you would like to be a guest, recommend a topic, or find out more information, please email kvcm at lavc.edu. That's kvcm at lavc.edu. This has been a production of 95.1 KVCM Monarch Radio, The Voice of Valley College, and The Broadcasting Club. Thank you for listening.